Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. No Badgers this weekend. Packers don't play till Monday night. We got to focus our attention then. And obviously, uh, you got to check out what Jack Cohen's doing to the, the Fighting Irish against Purdue. But it's the Milwaukee Brewers' time to shine as the Chicago Cubs come into American Family Field to get tuned up. Tonight, you got Zach Davies, former friend of the Brewers, on the mound opposite of uh, Adrian Hauser. Yeah, he hasn't been doing too well this year. Davies? Davies, yeah. 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 He's 6-11 and 11 with a 5.40 ERA. Ooh. Remember when he was a 17 winner for the Brewers with an ERA that was like four and a half or something like that? Yeah, I think it was close to four. Yeah, he had a lot of uh, run support every yeah. time he was up. And his FIP wasn't very good either. No. The opposite of Brandon Woodruff, who's a beast but never gets any run support. Yeah, Brandon Woodruff, 9-9. Nine 9-9. and nine. Nine and nine. Brandon After that Woodruff. loss on Wednesday. Almost criminal. ERA of 255. Brewers got three pitchers sub three, right, Rowdy? Correct. Start, starting pitchers. Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff. And then the other cats, they're just they're not too far behind. I mean, what are they, like high threes, low fours? Well, I mean, you have Adrian Hauser's at 3.25 and Eric Lauer's at 310. Man, that's great. And... What about, uh, what's Brett Anderson at? He was in the fours. Fours, that's what it was. He was a guy that, his face looked like what his ERA was. Just, <sighs> it was fine. Uh, Rowdy, I'm looking here. Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, talking expectations of the Brewers yesterday, and you went NLCS or bust, and I was going World Series or bust. A lot of people saying, hey, let's be realistic about it. It's the Milwaukee Brewers. They haven't ever done it. So World Series or bust might be putting yourself way too far out there and uh, to be set up for disappointment. But, I'm, you know, why not get greedy with what the Brewers have this year? They got themselves just talked some pitchers and uh, the sticks. Now, Ben Kenny and I were talking yesterday about Yelly. I know you and him had a topic when I was on vacation. Is Christian Yelich back? And then Ben, you know, was trying to say, well, I don't trust Christian Yelich in October. Rowdy, moving forward, do you trust Christian Yelich come playoffs? No, not really. No? And that's that's one of the reasons if Christian Yelich was firing on all cylinders or at least being like a an all-star caliber player, I would feel amazing about this Brewers team winning winning a World Series, not making it. So with how the Brewers are where they are right now, without really much of Yelly, does that make you feel comfortable though moving into the playoffs? Like you've seen a collection of guys step up and been able to get it done. Um, you know, it's never been just one guy. Well, I guess besides Willie Adamas, but he's, you know, um, what, what was Adamas got a hamstring or a quad? I always forget. Leg injury. One or the other. Quad. Yeah, his quad. And it's, it's just a little tight, a little sore. They're being cautious with him. You know, Willie Adamas definitely was stirring the Brewers' drink. Uh, but, Rowdy, when you see guys, you know, every week or maybe a couple of games or maybe for a month step up to be the hero of that time frame for the Brewers, does that, does that make you at ease when it comes to the offense of the bats of the Brewers? You know, come playoff time? I mean, to be 100% transparent, no. No? Just because everything changes in the playoffs, right? The intensity turns up. 
The lights get brighter. <clears throat> the competition gets better. Well, the Brewers are really good against good competition, though, aren't they? They are. Just not against like teams like the Tigers or the Twins. But we've said that we've said that over and over for years and years, and we've never witnessed the Brewers win a World Series. Yeah. Have we ever seen the Brewers have pitching like this, though? No. And that's one of the, the reasons why you can't count the Brewers out at all. It's not that the Brewers necessarily... See, I get what you're saying. Like, you need these guys to be hitting the baseball, but it's got to be timely hitting. Yeah. Like, if Christian Yelich was Christian Yelich from 18 and 19, you... Even in those playoffs, though, I will actually I will say this: even in those playoffs, he didn't necessarily have his best playoffs. Yeah, he was just on fire during the regular season. He put the team on his back. It's going to come down to uh, situational hitting and guys that can catch fire. And now they have a lot of guys that have potential to do that. I mean, we've totally seen do. it all year. They totally do. We got guys that catch fire. Do you think? Are you are you given like what percentage of? are you of Christian Yelich potentially catching fire in the playoffs? Like a hundred being like he's in flago on fire, like NBA gem. He's on fire or like zero like percent. He's ice cold. Like he's, a, he's I thought you meant like, as in like a hundred percent would be, he's definitely going to catch fire or oh. zero. He's not. Okay. Yeah. We can do that for you. I would say, man, define catching fire. Are we talking about production, like hitting home runs, doubles, or are we just hitting for a high average? What would you? What do you want to do? I want to say, him coming back, being all the way back, would be hitting for a high average and, and production, extra, extra base, extra base stuff. hits, home runs, doubles, driving in runs. Okay. I mean, he is batting third in this lineup. Let's go with that's a hundred percent on fire. Fifty percent will be what, like singles, and not as big as an average. And zero percent would just be like we saw earlier this season, him just striking out. Twenty five percent. Ooh, so. Ooh. Would that be enough to have the Brewers get it done then? I mean, that's just one man, right? And the Brewers have some other guys who have stepped up. But, okay, let me ask you this. We talked Ryan Braun when Ryan Braun put his retirement out there. That Ryan Braun when the lights got no, brighter. No, I don't want him. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you want Jackie Ridley Jr.? No. When Ryan Braun, when the lights got brighter and it was big moments, Ryan Braun delivered. Do you think Yelly still has that it factor? Well, he hasn't the last two years. He had the two-week span earlier this year, a couple like a couple weeks ago. Or he hasn't the last two years. <laughs> he had it from like August 8th to September 8th. Can you come up with a specific game in the last two years where you remember Christian Yelich coming up to bat and specifically having a huge at-bat where he puts one in the gap where he hits a home run? No, but unfortunately I can think of a time and it was just a couple days ago where he had an opportunity in extra innings against the Tigers to get it done and he grounded into a double play. My point exactly. Man. But that's you know, what have you done for me lately? I can you come up? You got a better memory than me in a lot of stuff. Can you come up with a game where Christian Yelich was the man? I mean, not really. Hey. Not not one sole game or inning where he was the guy that came up in like a late when they were trailing or tied. And had a huge, not off the top of my head. Now, I'm, there could be one in there, but I don't remember one. I remember a lot of strikeouts. I remember a lot of ground outs. Who, in your opinion then, Rowdy, on this team offensively can step up and fill that void and maybe be the guy? Who who can you look I at and say, this is the guy? I don't think there's one person that can. Because there's no one on that squad, in my my opinion, that is as good as what Yelich was in 18 and 19. You know what I mean? Like... Okay, Omar, so is Omar that a problem? What about Willie Adamas? 
I mean, Willie Adamas is a 265 hitter that has some pop and and can swing the bat at the shortstop position. Would, would you say not a, he's not a MVP candidate? Would you say Adamas though is MVP of the Brewers? I would say this year, yeah. I mean, for, for sticks offensively, yeah. But he has no business even being voted for an MVP at the end of the season. No, I'm, I don't mean for the whole, yeah, no. League. But I'm just saying in general, okay. no, he has no business being in that type of and because Yelly was one and should have been a two time MVP. Like they they don't have a legit MVP guy on this team. So will that haunt them in the playoffs? Not necessarily. They have a lot of guys that can be really good. They're just top to bottom solid. Like, like look at Omar Narvaez. He's had a career year at catcher. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can hit for average, has a little bit of pop for a catcher behind the plate, but there's no way he could ever go for a Christian Yelich 35 home runs, you know, 90 plus RBI season. There's no way. Willie Adamas is playing some of the best baseball he's ever played since coming to Milwaukee. There's no way he could hit 35 plus home runs or drive in 90 plus RBIs. Man. Yeah, because what Yelly did was nothing short of incredible, right? Colton I mean, Christian Yelich was putting it together. He's having a career season. year. He's not a guy that can hit 30-plus home runs and drive in 90 RBIs. Now, he is a leadoff hitter. He's playing pretty well, but he's he can't. No, no one on this roster, in my opinion, can carry the team like Christian Yelich carried the team in those two years. So there's not, there's not one guy. It's going to have to be a collective effort. And – Outside of the month of May, right? The Brewers have kind of done that. I mean, they're eighty nine and fifty seven. Like Eduardo Escobar, he got hot when he first came to the Brewers. Now he's he's kind of steady since, but he's a guy that's got some pop. But you'll never confuse Eduardo Escobar with an MVP candidate. No, <laughs> like he's a nice player uh-huh. for sure. It was a hell of a trade. It's it's gonna take a collective effort and it's gonna take the whole team to win this thing. And that's something we've seen all year though, right, Rowdy? I mean, like that's been the constant of the Brewers is having a collective effort of getting where they are. I mean, they this is the most they've ever been above five hundred. This is the most they've ever been uh, you know, their winning percentage uh, in the history of the Brewers. This is the most they've ever, you know, had a lead in the NL Central over somebody as it's twelve and a half games over the cards. So we've seen them. Oh, and that's why they're one of the best teams in yeah. baseball because they've done it collectively. They didn't rely on just Christian Yelich to go completely in fuego for two, three months like he did. Like those last two months, like he was having an all star season in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then the last two months of the year, he was just on fire. And that's how he won the MVP. 2019, he had like four months where he was just on fire. And then. Bloop the little kneecap yeah, and that somehow him. lost the MVP race just because he was injured. Yeah. And then uh, there was a time, too, when a guy named Keston Hero, remember, he was hot as hell and put the team on his back for like a month, month and a half. What the hell is he even doing? See, I think with the roster that they currently have, it gives them the better, the best chance to be good and to beat teams because they have so many guys that can do so many different things mm-hmm. at a, a really good level. But man, if they just had Christian Yelich at the level that he was at in eighteen or nineteen, this would I think they would I would bet them to beat the Dodgers. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say NLCS or bus if Christian Yelich was playing like the, World the caliber of Christian Yelich from two, three years ago. You'd say World Series. I would say or it's bust. World Series or bust. Man. 
All right, we'll, we'll we'll dive more into this roster for the Milwaukee Brewers. We talk a little Brewers right now, Rowdy. We were talking Brewers earlier today, and it was about the team itself. You know, talking about Christian Yelich. Could Christian Yelich be that guy come October? And um, you know, zero percent. Like his average stays the same. He's not really getting on base, or no, zero percent for on fire. Zero percent being like how he was earlier in the season, striking out a bunch, never getting on base. To one hundred percent, he's in fuego. He's totally on fire, like NBA Jam. He's on fire. Just doing it all on the plate. And you gave him uh, 25%. 25%. Because 50% we defined as someone that was going to hit for average but not much production. Yeah. So, Yelly, you gave him 25%, which is like, I mean, it's not the greatest. What, what, is he kind of like 25% right now? Or is he a little higher than that? Well, because he had a pretty good two When did span. you go on vacation? That was two weeks ago. Two and a half weeks ago. Staycation. Three weeks ago? It's got to be longer than that. Three weeks ago, three. I think it was three weeks. Because ago. it was before Badger season. Yeah. So yeah, the week before the week before Badger so, season. So going, this would be the. So about that would have been about a month ago. Man, has it already been that long? At three to four weeks. Yeah. Okay. We'll go so with that. well, anyways, Ben and I were on here. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Christian Yelich, and he wanted to talk about his Christian Yelich back. And he was a hundred percent on that horse that Christian Yelich was back. Now remember, now he's really changed his tune. That's cool yeah, this was when Christian Yelich was in the midst of like a five to seven game hitting streak. He was just starting to hit the ball. He was just starting to to take better at bats where he's hitting the ball the other way. Still wasn't crushing, commanding at bats like just yeah, hitting home runs, making that that real powerful contact where he was sending the ball into the stands or deep into the gaps, Mm -hmm. but he was just starting to sit back on pitches, shoot the ball the other way and make solid contact. Now he ended up uh, not only doing that, but continuing to hit really well for like a solid three, three to four weeks. And he ended up putting a really productive month together, hitting the baseball. Now there wasn't a ton of uh, production behind it. There wasn't a ton of home runs. But it was nice to see Christian Yelich was hitting the baseball and, and actually hitting the ball hard. Yeah. And he asked me, how is he not back yet? And I'm like, dude, I have to see this for more than a week. Like Ben like dove into the deep end. He was swimming in He it. was all in on Christian Yelich's back. Like, uh, I think he's listening right now. He'll tell you a different story t- today. But, man, he was all in. He, he was in. And I just I needed to see it, and I needed to see some run production. Like it's nice seeing Christian Yelich hit 300, shoot the ball the other way. Yeah, that's great. That's the starting point. That mm-hmm. that's why I liked what I saw. I need to see more of it. And then once you build on top of that, once you're doing it consistently, you're hitting the ball consistently. Now I got to see you put it deep in the gaps. Now I got to see you put it in the stands. Well, he never really, he never really got past the uh, hard contact into the gaps. It like kind of it came kind of back and. Now, the player that we had for that month of roughly late August to, you know, or I guess uh, mid-August to early to mid-September. It was like August 8th to September 8th. Yeah, that that Christian Yelich was like the Christian Yelich that you had in Miami. That's a guy that's like borderline all-star. He, he's going to perform and look pretty good. That's not the Christian Yelich that Brewer fans came to know and love in 2018 and 2019. Mm -hmm. Now, is it extremely hard to be as good as Christian Yelich was in 2018 and 2019? Yes. Yes. I mean, he was, he was the odds on MVP both those years. Correct. Do they need him to be that good? No, not necessarily. If they did, 
this team added bonus. This team's, in my opinion, World Series should be the world. If Christian Yelich was the 18 or 19 version of himself, this team, in my opinion, is the World Series. They're the favorite. Who? The faves? They're the favorite, in my opinion, if Christian Yelich is in his MVP form. Okay, well, start thinking about this, Rowdy, because I want to ask you about the arms. Can they? If Yelich's going to be like how he is right now, and we've seen a collection of guys step up, pun intended, to the plate and perform in timely fashion, but is it just the arms that are, can do it for him? Scary Terry could have been selected, Terry McLaren, by the Packers, and said they took Jay Sternberger. <laughs> and Rowdy, we were talking, obviously, the one that all Packer fans still can't stomach, and it's just dis- disgusting, right? I mean, the guy just signed the biggest deal for a linebacker so far. Uh, TJ Watt with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He came out and just dominated week one. And then we're like, oh, yeah, we got Vince or uh, Kevin King. How's that working out? <laughs> and then yeah. Vince Beagle. And we know what Kevin King's doing. He's picked up right where he left off in the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers. And what's the Beags doing? Yeah, so Beagle currently unemployed. He's a free agent. But, uh, I mean, he was a guy that really didn't get on the field for the Packers. He was more of a special teamer for the Saints. Had one good season where he actually played pretty well in Miami and then tore his Achilles mm. and never really got back on the field. And he just got paid to do what? Well, I mean, he was just cut. Yep. And he got due to injury and not being able to play in 2021. But he still got some money for it. Yeah, he still got paid. So, yeah, basically you had two guys that have been oft injured in Kevin King and Vince Beagle and two guys that combined have about two seasons where they've played well. And then there's TJ Watt. <laughs> we uh, Speaking of Kevin King, we had a tweet earlier in the show from our guy Dominic. <laughs> Dominic says, can the Packers put King on the IR or just get rid of him? <laughs> Definitely the worst player on the team. The rookie is better than him. Yeah, that's got- what a lot of people are saying. They're like Eric Stokes, like in practice, looks pretty good. They said in, in uh some of the preseason games when he matched up, played pretty good defense. Yeah. Covered pretty well. Uh, Devontae was like singing his praises. And all of a sudden you get to the game and Kevin King goes out there and continues to get burned. And you, you didn't really see a ton of Eric Stokes. Oh God. Oh, but you saw way too much of Kevin King. I said this yesterday when I was filling in for Bill Michaels on the Bill Michaels show, right? Rowdy. It was, uh, it was borderline criminal that they brought Kevin King back. Cause what we saw in the NFC championship game was so egregious. The fact that they brought him back, I said, what the, what are you doing? I I'm a sore. <laughs> At first, when you said borderline, I thought you were going to go with erotic. And huh. then you finished by saying Kevin Criminal. King. Yeah. <laughs> borderline erotic. That's a, I say that term for Brett Bielema. Yeah, that's borderline erotic. Borderline criminal bringing Kevin King back. That's Oh, here's the thing. Well, he's a starter in the NFL. He is. Yeah, yeah he is. But do, you healthy. Want him, but do you want him starting on your team? <laughs> yeah, he's a starter. But do you want him starting on your team? Ask yourself that question, my friends. Uh, Rowdy, speaking of the Green Bay Packers, uh, comments from Aaron Rodgers. Just a little bit there in the sports flash. And Rodgers was talking, you know, you know, about just kind of moving on from that loss to the Lions. That's something you got to do. He's moving on. And believe it or not, well, Matt LaFleur really hasn't lost much for the Packers, right? He's only lost one time in the NFC North. That was against the Minnesota Vikings, correct? Correct. Well, Matt LaFleur has never had back-to-back losses. Aaron Rodgers talks on the Packers how they've avoided that. I don't know. I think we're a good team. We've been a good team for the last few years. So good teams don't, you know, don't usually have uh, poor performances back to back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. They are a good team, aren't they? Well, it's like 
for us, like we do this job, right? We turn on the mics and we talk and we talk about Wisconsin sports. We talk about the Green Bay Packers. We're the we best to ever do it, Rowdy. Aaron Rodgers. We're both the Tom Brady's of this. Um, like, what are we really going to say outside of, yeah, they have been, like everything he said there is the, true. Yeah, it's spot like, on. They right? have been good the past couple of years. This was just one game where they looked terrible. Normally good teams like they have been bounce back against, especially against lesser teams like the Lions. Mm -hmm. So it's like you say the same things over and over and over again, but really what we're all just doing is waiting for Monday night to see if the Packers can actually prove it. Yeah. Like they've, they're kind of like Graham Mertz in that sense. They say all the right things. They do all the right things. You just have to go out and prove it on the field at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have the ability to wait around when we uh, have to fill airtime for four hours. Like we just can't wait with dead air, so we got to talk about it. Uh, but when it comes to the Lions, who's the the team upcoming, right? We'll get to some comments from Rogers about the Lions. Uh, but Rowdy, you remember, um, you know, years ago when the Packers had their backs against the wall, and Aaron Rodgers gave the run the table comments, and by God, what do they go and do? They ran the table. They ran the table. And then what did Rodgers do another year when he gave the R-E-L-A-X? Well, he relaxed all over the place. Packers ended up getting an NFC Championship game. See, I don't want to step on some toes here, but I'm going to step on some toes. Yes, those were great moments in Aaron Rodgers' career and, and, and Packers' history, but you know what else they didn't do that year? Win the Super both Bowl. of those years? Yeah, win the Super Bowl. I don't think you're stepping on anyone's toes there. It's Because like, like, that's what we you want, know what right? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he did say relax. He did say we're running the table, but they also – did play well, but guess what? They came up short yeah. yet again. So I heard some people you know, pondering, well, wh what's the saying going to be this year for Aaron Rodgers? They just got their asses blasted by the Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. What's the saying going to be this year? Well, it's week one. Dude. Eat some W's. <laughs> <laughs> Jameis Winston eating dubs. Well, here's Rodgers talked about that. He said, you know, after the game in, you know, in Jacksonville losing the Saints, what was the message to the locker room? Was it a run the table? Was it an R-E-L-A-X? What was it? You're damn right. Yeah, I mean, every time I'm up here, it's a message to all of them. To them, to Tom. <laughs> Tom freaks out as much as anybody. Reporter. <laughs> to the fans. You know, when, when I was on show with Jason, you know, that was spur of the moment, but I was hoping my teammates would hear and the fans would hear that we need to relax. You know, when I said in the locker room that I, I believe we can run the table, it wasn't uh, a predetermined, it was in the moment. But in the moment, it was something that I had thought about before as I looked at the future schedule. And it was queued up perfectly to say what I thought was something that could inspire the guys. Now, I wasn't trying to be inspiring, uh, especially inspiring after the loss, you know, in Jacksonville. Um, I was trying to put the loss in the context where it deserves to be put. And that is, it's not acceptable, but it's just one game. And we're not going to be held prisoner uh, mentally by that uh, poor performance. And like I said, we're not going to change a ton of things. I don't think there needs to be wholesale preparation changes, schematic changes. You know, we had a clunker and, and we got to play better. And I, I expect uh, that we will on both sides of the ball. I got a question for you, though. Yeah, I he hope says, I have an answer. I wasn't trying to be inspiring. Do you do you ever feel like Aaron Rodgers is inspiring? No. Same. 
No. Like man, uh, on the field, like when he throws like a yeah, Hail Mary touchdown pass or a laser, but him him being like a leader, him talking in press no, conferences, no. do you ever think he's really inspiring? No. Same. No. Like I think I get one of two reactions when I listen to Aaron Rodgers. And can one we, of those we, can reactions can I guess? Can I guess? is sure. Smug. No, no. I'm just oh. saying <laughs> from, <laughs> sorry, you're still talking. from him when he talks and says things, I do one of two things. I either Roll my eyes mm. super hard, mm-hmm. or I go, yeah, he's one hundred percent correct. Yeah, it's like it's it's one or the other. But I'm not ready. If you know, if I was on the team to run through a brick wall for him, or you know, go out there and be like, yes, we're changing things and we're taking action. It's either, yep, he's one hundred percent correct, or I roll hard as you can possibly eye roll. Yeah. When when Rogers said R E L A X and run the table, the Packers' backs were literally against the wall. The Packers had to win out. The Packers had to, you know, capture lightning in a bottle and somehow do something that was so miraculous to get, you know, through the postseason. What we saw this week one. It's the Packers are gonna lose some games. Like that's just that's just gonna happen. It's week one, Rowdy. But here's the thing, Rogers gives off this ho hum, shrug your shoulders vibe. And it was the most lopsided loss of his starting career. Like just kind of this like, man, eh, whatever. Eh, it's fine. When you couple that in the fact, though, of what happened in the offseason with him, of him not even wanting to come back, like he didn't even know he was going to come back till, if you believe him, what he says, a day before. He's like, yeah, a day before, he's like, yeah, I guess I'll come back. And he dropped uh, Shailene Woodley off in, what, Albuquerque because she's probably filming some movie that's going to go straight to DVD. And then he flew into Green Bay, and all the reporters were, like, doing their TMZ thing, like hiding behind bushes. Aaron, 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 look over here. Smile for the camera, Aaron. With his, well, his plane coming in. If you just go and look at the... And after he just got tripping on ayahuasca in Hawaii. The run the table comments and the um, R-E-L-A-X, relax comments. Relax. Okay, the first one, the run the table. Did Do you really think he went out on a limb and say... All he said was like, I feel like we can run the table. It's not like he's like, we're running the table. This is what we're going to do. Well, in the, in was, the, in the clip, he says, I looked at the schedule. Yeah. And he goes, like, I, we can do this. I think we, I feel like we can do this. He's confident in his inability. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like, we're going to run the table. Yeah. In, in like guaranteeing, he's like, yeah, looking at it, schedule's kind of weak. I feel like uh, we can do this. Yeah. He didn't give some like insane pump up speech. Yeah. It's it, like the median fans ran with it. I feel like looking it's looked back on by fans as if he like called a shot like Babe Ruth. It wasn't like the movie Miracle when they give him the pump up speech in the locker room, right? But I mean, he was just kind of like, yeah, schedule kind of stinks, you know, we're better than we've been playing. Yeah, I think we can do this. Yeah. Now, I will give him credit for the the relax one. Because that was one where if they continued to suck, then it him saying relax Everyone would have just continued to crap on. Yeah, it's him. like, oh, relax. Yeah, you relax. Look at what happened to your season. You relaxed so much, you guys stunk. Right? Yeah, and especially that that team. That was a team where you could clearly see Aaron Rodgers was carrying it. I'll give him credit for the relax the relax comments because then he came out balled out, and it was one where he could have got a lot of crap if he didn't play well and the Packers didn't play well. But the run the table one was just kind of like. Yeah, it's just him. It's like I looked at the schedule. I'm like, yeah, we can do this. We'll just run the table. Wasn't yeah, really just, inspiring per se, but it was. I, maybe if you look at the confidence of him to say it, like, yeah, we're, all we got to do is run the table. You're like, well, all right, this guy's putting his balls out there. All right, we got a little some cojones here. Okay, let's go. But yeah, Rowdy, looking at now, it's week one. 
Well, like week two now, but it was week one loss. And here's the thing, Rowdy. We were talking about how bad the Packers' defense is. And remember the uh, the times before when the Packers had a bad defense? There was a guy named Dom Capers. Remember Dom Capers and his uh, just-for-men jet black hair dye? Remember Dom? Oh, yeah. Remember Dommy? Remember how bad that defense was? Remember when they always talked about the psycho package? The psycho package. Had, like, was was it, it the elephant package at the end, too? Yeah, where they had like no down linemen. Yeah, we're going to run the psycho package. And, it, and everyone thought it was just really great, but it actually just... You just got to end up getting stabbed in the shower like you're Norman Bates. Yeah, it was just like whatever. Yeah, the psycho package was a flop. It was like the remake of that movie with Vince Vaughn. Well, Rowdy, Dom Capers. Do you want to know how I know the Packers are going to beat the living hell out of the Lions on Monday? Did you know that Dom Capers now consults with the Lions? Did you know that? A lot of these guys find hanger-on jobs forever, don't they? If you're the Detroit Lions who saw Dom Capers two times a year for, what, a decade, you really going to bring him on as a a consultant? Here's Rodgers. You want to hear Rodgers talk about Capers? Well, how about this? It's kind of like some of the Brewers moves that you looked at him and you're like, well, I don't know if I necessarily agreed with bringing in Rowdy Telez at the time because I thought it was like, hey, here's Daniel Vogelback. Here, Rowdy Telez in my mind was just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think it was going to make a ton of difference. It's probably the same thing. They're like, man, our defensive coordinators and analysis and and um, guys that consultors, consultants, whatever. I like consultors. They they, they stink. Maybe maybe Dom is just a little bit better, and we can actually upgrade here. Yeah, let's just forget about all the other times we've seen how bad yeah, his defense yeah, like was. He's, he's bad. Like, like, don't get us wrong, but our guys are worse. We're upgrading. <laughs> well, here's, <laughs> here's Rodgers talking about Dom Capers, uh, you know, uh, being a consultant with the Lions, and does he see any of Capers' signature defenses? Dom? Uh, I might have to look a little closer to see if I can see any specific... Uh, Dom Capers-isms, but, uh, and I hope I get to see Dom. I love Dom. Do you I feel like he's I feel trying like Ro- not I feel to like, laugh? I feel like Rodgers loves Dom Capers like he loves his parents. Because how many times has the Packers defense... <laughs> I feel like he was trying not to laugh there. Same! Dom? <laughs> Listen, Dom, and you hear the little snicker in his voice, and the reporter goes, yeah. Dom? Uh, I might have to look a little closer to see if I can see any specific uh, Dom Capers-isms, but, uh, and I hope I get to see Dom. I love Dom. What's the Dom Caperisms? No, I get it. He wants to see Dom. He loves Dom because he knows how bad Dom is. You know, he's like he, drag his he hogger to, on the field. He had to put up with it. Like, yeah, Dom Capers, when he first got to the Packers, revitalized that Packers, kind of gave him some energy, and Dom? they were good. Dom? But then after those first couple of years... They were just, they progressively got worse. Dom? <laughs> What's a Dom Capner signature defense? Give up 40 points? Yeah, like, it's kind of like the Mike McCarthy thing. Like, it got stale. You could say that at some point, the NFL kind of passed him by in a lot of his scheming. Well, and yeah, defensive. in like 2012. So, yeah, he'd love to see Dom because if he's playing his defenses, he's Dom? going for 50. Dom? <laughs> Uh, here's uh, more on Rogers, uh, from Rogers, I should say, on what he sees when he studies the Lions secondary. A couple long last names. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do uh, have some familiarity with, uh, with some of those guys played against them last year. Um, you know, I think the scheme is one that, uh, that can help them. They, 
they do play uh, similar coverages to the Saints, uh, with uh, uh -oh. Glenn having been been over there, Coach Glenn. Um, but I think they're you know they're improving guys. I thought they uh, you know I thought they did a nice job last year of getting better, being kind of thrust into the situation. And last year they just played a bunch of man to kind of see what they had. And those guys battled and, and were aggressive. Um, and it's a new system, but I, I think their play speed is really fast. Um, you got to be smart about throwing certain balls to to those guys. I don't really have a lot of uh, not a lot of tape on 26, obviously, but um, you know, anytime you got young guys, you're gonna you're gonna test them. I, well, I mean, really, not much there from Rodgers. But if you, if they're running the same defense that the Saints ran, then. Uh, Dom Capers isn't a consultant. I don't think I'm concerned here because Rogers was talking about the defense of the Saints of how they were they were playing and it was like totally threw him off and he was never able to adjust. You're like, okay, but you're Aaron Rodgers, okay, Dom. All right, Rowdy, Dom Capers. I'm so glad. That's how I know the Packers are going to tune up the Lions because Dom Capers is a consultant. Dom Capers, I hope he uh, I hope he just settled in and embraced the uh, the gray in the hair because. When you see a cat that old and he's rocking that jet black hair, you're like, dude, stay out <laughs> of the just looks out of place. Stay out of the Walmart hair dye aisle, man. That's tough. Just just embrace the touch of gray, dude. Life is back on sports betters, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. It's always a pleasure to have this handsome cat on. Dapper Dave, Dynamic Dave, Uncle Dave, Dave Essler. What's up, Dave? How are we doing today? I was, I was thinking you were going to go with Dave the drum. Oh, well, you're not 595 pounds, are you? No, but I am <laughs> seven foot three. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? What the hell is Notre Dame doing? They're not letting Purdue bring their big ass 100 year old drum in? What the hell? Well, I, I tend to agree with you. What the hell? I mean, but you know, some of that might be might be I might be biased because I've never really been a Notre Dame fan. I mean, they're going to have to play in an actual conference for about a decade before I could ever be an actual fan. <laughs> hey, do you know Nelly yeah. over here is uh, his second team is Notre Dame? I'm sorry. I mean, you know, <laughs> does that mean I have to change my opinion? I mean, Dave, I never, I never want anyone to change their opinion. Never change, Dave. Yeah, it, it, it's better media if you don't. Dave, if you change your opinion, you're a coward. I'm not saying you are, but people in general, when you flip flop, you're a coward. You can, you can say I'm a coward. It's okay. No, Dave, Dave you got if, big balls, dude. If it makes you feel any better, the one game I got to go watch at Notre Dame, Jimmy Clausen was starting his first year as a freshman, and they got absolutely routed against uh, Air Force. Sorry about that. I mean, I, I don't feel bad about that. Actually, I'm, you Dave, know, that's what happens. Dave, I'm you not know, a Notre like, Dame fan either. In fact, in the movie Rowdy, I wanted to tear his ACL when he got out there. Wow, you're vicious. Or Rudy, I mean. Sorry, I said Rowdy. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I, knew what, I knew what you meant and probably happy of listening. I think he was it. rooting for me to tear my ACL, yeah. too. I got Rowdy in front of me, Rudy. You know, I, I wanted Rudy to have a, like a season-ending injury when he got out on he the He was the guy that said Rudy was offsides. He was offsides, Dave. <laughs> hey, Dave. Yeah, I, I, I think that what Notre Dame has done here is they've made Purdue plus seven the, the trendy percussionist underdog of the week. Yeah, so I mean, what are you thinking of that Purdue uh, Notre Dame game? What, do you, what are you going to go on the uh, Boilermaker side, or are you going to go no Jack Cohen and that uh, Fighting Irish? I'll probably take Purdue. 
for any number of reasons. And honestly, all things being equal, the drum thing would just piss Purdue off. <laughs> they couldn't like to have a helicopter and fly it in? Like, unbelievable, dude. Hey, Dave, there's no Badgers this weekend. Uh, what are you looking at through the, the lens of the, the awesome gambler that you are for, uh, let's start with college football, besides Purdue and Notre Dame? Well, you know, before I give away anything, I have to tell you that I might have to break my contract with you guys if you keep bashing the SEC. Well, I mean, they, they, you know, and then and you pump up, you know, in the next breath, I think it was Roddy that pumped up Oregon about schedules, and uh, they play Stony Brook this week, just FYI, so, you know. <laughs> We'll never get change. Hey, hey, at least Oregon was willing to schedule Ohio State. How'd that work out? Well, not good for Ohio State. Yeah, not good for Ohio State, but no one likes them. Yeah. Dave, here's the thing. Um we don't want you to break the contract with us. We love our, you know, differing opinions. We'll never back down and you'll never back down. That's why we like each other, right? Fair enough, fair enough. So, now we we do you and I do agree on the Irish. Yeah, well so we'll start there. There's the olive branch. Uh, what else are you looking at in college football then, Dave? You know, I'm, I'm, um, this is probably because you guys just trashed the uh, SEC. I'm going to trash the Michigan State. Uh, they play in, I think, the Big Ten. Uh, I'm not sure. Hey, you can trash um, them all you want. We trash them all the time too. Yeah, I know, but I, you know, that's a that's a trap thing sitting there. Miami, I think, I think minus six. I mean, I just I, as much as I don't trust Derek King, and as much as I don't trust Manny Diaz, um, I, I don't trust Michigan State. I mean, I remember a game two years ago when they, they started off 2-0, and beat a couple of half-decent teams in East Lansing, and then they went down to Arizona State as sizable favorites and lost outright. Why? Because it was like 102. And, and Didn't no that dope. game kick off like super late too? Yeah, exactly. And, and then this game's kicking off super early. Well, 11 your time um, in, in Miami, I, I think that all things equal, the heat is just going to wilt uh, Michigan State. And... Uh, Another one, I, I, I don't know that I agree with Roddy or not. This would be good. To, you know, you took you took Penn State over an SEC team, I believe. I think <laughs> the Tigers, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I, I want to agree with you. Oh. I want oh. to agree oh, with Mr. you. Mr. SEC wants to agree. Uh, well, you know, you know, I think Brian Harson's a big upgrade, um, but Boise State is not the SEC, and he is not Chris Peterson. Um I looked at Boise's record both on the road and against upper echelon teams, which, you know, Penn State might be. Um, it wasn't nearly as solid as Peterson's was. You know, the whole Auburn, uh, well, I mean, the whole the whole Happy Valley whiteout. You know, I was originally thinking that Auburn was going to get humanized here. But, you know, here's the thing, and, you know, this is part of my job, the, the market. Mm. I mean, that line was Penn State minus seven at some point. And it was minus six and a half everywhere at most points. Well, with about half the tickets and half the money, maybe a little more than half on Penn State, it's four and a half in a lot of places. Now, that's some serious money. And I don't know if you want to bet against that. So I may have to hedge that. Okay. Dave, I do have a question. I like Penn State, but I'm not an idiot. I have a question for you, and it goes back to your uh, Miami pick with uh, Michigan State. Does it ever concern you that you look at that game and it just seems too easy to bet Miami? Yes, very much so. And and I did a, a whole bunch of podcasts yesterday where I said that for several games in, in the NFL more so than the uh, in, in college. But, yes, I mean, but sometimes – 
you know, um, the the public, if you will, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants um, get does get them right. And you know, last year in the, in the NFL, and for the last couple of years, um, the SpongeBob guys have been correct more often than not. And us, <laughs> and us wise guys that try to outthink the room. Yeah, you're Patrick uh, Star. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's been painful at times. So yes, that is. That is all part of the process of trying to stay sane while not losing a bankroll. So, Dave, I want to talk one NFL uh, matchup for you. Pick your brain, but uh, at the risk of you know maybe you know irritating you a little more because we already bagged on SEC, I'm going to do this. Uh, Nelly took the Dolphins uh, to win. Uh, this coming weekend here, or the cover against, uh, what was that, uh, Rowdy? The, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. But the Dolphins, Dave, I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to do it. The Dolphins beat your Patriots, dude. What the hell? Yeah, no, the Patriots beat my Patriots with that fumble inside the 10 late. No, man. I didn't yeah. mean, I, I tried to bring up the painful memory of uh, week one. Packers got their asses handed to them, too. So, well, I wasn't going to go there. I mean, that's public knowledge, old news. The Lions will probably do the same thing Monday night. God damn. All right, so uh, NFL, what are you looking at in the NFL, my brother? You know, I, I tend to agree with Rowdy, and this is one of those um, – a good segue into this game that, you know, lately the money is kind to say in Buffalo, but I agree with, I agree with Rowdy. Um, you know, and I think all things being equal, that coaching advantage, I think the Dolphins, I like Brian Flores and, you know, all I got to do is go back to last week when, when uh, statistically the Bills lost a game, they should have handily won and, and vice versa. Miami won a game, they should have statistically lost. And, you know, that's coaching. And then you get, you know, Buffalo down in the heat. And if you remember, I know you probably don't because you're not a AFC East fan. Buffalo hung 56 points on Miami to close out the regular season last year. And I don't think the Dolphins have forgotten that. And with a chance to make the preseason AFC East favorites 0-2, I have to like the Dolphins plus a couple or three and a half points or whatever it is. Uh, David, uh, we're going to talk next Friday, but do you have any uh, inkling? You already kind of ribbed me a little bit about the Packers. Do you have any inkling what's going to happen Packers-Lions on uh, no, Monday night? I, no, I don't. No, I don't. But if you made me, I would take the points. And okay. I think I think that's just strictly value. I mean, I think that you know the Packers are going to be overpriced because of the assumption, well, they'll just wake up. But I told somebody last week on, on another show that I wouldn't bet on the Lions until they changed the culture, which they've had the same culture for four decades. I know that one, one of those decades you guys weren't born. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, after that, not collapsing even further against San Francisco. Maybe Campbell has changed the culture. I don't know. Uh, hey, Dave, before I let you go, uh, and I got a little outro song for you. It's actually coming off the SpongeBob SquarePants movie inspired by you talking about SpongeBob Public. But, Dave, how's the golf game going, man? You going to hit him long, hit him straight today? What do, we, what do we got going? Rowdy just had the best game of his life last night. What's Dave Essler going to do today? Um, probably suck. <laughs> hey, you sound like me. See, well, we're, you know, we're not too much yeah, different. You know, than my, 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 my golf game is really whether I care or not. And right now, at this time of the day, I really don't care. That could change this afternoon. But, you know, if I care, I'll play well. If I don't care, I probably won't care because I'll be thinking about how early I have to get up tomorrow, which is, like, ridiculous on a Saturday because we're supposed to go deep-sea fishing for my birthday. When's your birthday? Today? T- tomorrow? No, no, I think it's Monday. Dave, happy happy birthday. happy early birthday, happy belated birthday. I don't know. Happy happy early birthday, Dave. Well yeah, done. I, you know, when you get over twenty, it's just another day. Yeah, I feel you, bro. Uh, Rowdy's birthday was just last Saturday. We got hammered downtown Madison. Watch the Badger right. East from don't, Michigan. Don't, don't you guys do that when it's not Rowdy's birthday? Yeah, I mean, we don't really need a reason, Dave. <laughs>
Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> hey, Dave, happy birthday, man. Enjoy it and catch a big fish for me, would you? Yeah, you guys too. Have fun. Let's see, buddy. Happy gambling. Yeah, man. Yep. The birthday boy, Dave Esler. It's a collective effort with everybody in this building, you know, with our personnel department, with our coaches, with our players, just having a resilient mindset and getting back at the task at hand. And I think that's one thing that you always got to turn the page and you got to focus on the next game because every game in this league is a challenge. And if you don't put everything into it each and every week, you're going to get beat. Absolutely incredible. Mike Clemens joining us right now. Mike, I love the Rocky music, especially after <laughs> yesterday. Grant Bill's telling us he's never seen Rocky before. Yeah. Shame on him. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, we like how our production people put that together. That was nice. Whoever did that, Mike, round of applause for them. Round of applause yeah. for them. That was beautiful. Mike, what's going on today, man? How we living? Uh, oh, good. Uh, a couple of guys banged up like Rocky, uh, you know, at practice. Uh, you got a couple of guys fighting through concussion. I didn't know that Lucas Patrick had suffered a concussion, but it was like on the last offensive snap and the loss to the Saints. But he was out there on the field. Josiah DeGuara, who had a really severe concussion, though he was walking on the field as well. Darnell Savage Jr. Um, jacked up his shoulder in the loss to the Saints, but he was limited in participation. He was like doing some of the tackling drills with the the donut pads and, and, and things like that. Josh Myers, the center, uh, he, he practiced, but he injured a, a, a finger, uh, maybe coming out of the game. Uh, but, you know, and then Zadarius Smith did not practice at all uh, after hmm. only participating in two practices in camp. He's been going through his back injury, so he took uh, yesterday off. Man, oh, the Zadarius Smith is kind of concerning. Like, is, is it truly a back injury thing, Mike? Like, do you th- like that it, it is it, right? Because uh, I heard he was disgruntled to the contract. Well, yeah, and but and then Lafleur said, uh, "Yeah, there were some things, and we took care of that before the start of camp." Oh, okay. So after he took the pay cut in March, apparently he didn't like the way it was all playing out. Huh. So they shifted some things around for him. But both Gutekinds and Lafleur said straight faced, "This is a back injury." But we have not talked to Zedarius since the spring. You know, we can't. You know, we can't go in the locker room. They bring him out to us in the media auditorium, and he has not appeared yet. Man, they're really, Saying, you know, they're that's really jamming you guys up. That's a whole dynamic that's missing, though, just in terms of the feel for this team. You know, the Smith yeah. brothers, they're your, they're your leaders. They're your image on your defense, and that ain't happening right now. And as a matter of fact, you know, it was a week ago that the team took a vote. He was not, did not return. He was not reelected as a, as a defensive team captain. And then he put that little thing on, on, on Twitter, like, wow, really? You know, that that kind of response. So, you know, it's uh, bruised egos at the very least. Yeah, definitely some bruised egos uh, as well as losing to the Saints like they did. But, hey, I guess the Lions, Mike, uh, we got them on the dock. That's a nice way to turn the uh, – not turn the season around, but get back on the good foot, yeah? Well, you know, the thing about the Lions is uh, they did uh, – you know, they were down uh, by 28 points, and they came back and made it close. They got to within a touchdown in their loss to the 49ers. So the Lions hired this Dan Campbell, and I, I'll work over the weekend to put to string together some of the I – mean, this guy is, gonna, is a walking quote machine, Dan <laughs> Campbell, yep. all right? Former player, 
you know, his name started coming up as a tight end coach uh, for the Saints, as a possible head coach, as you know, as a motivator. And he comes into Detroit, man, and he hires all these players. Deuce Staley is his assistant head coach and, and running backs coach. Anthony Lynn, the former Chargers coach, is his offensive coordinator. But of course, Anthony played some game. Mark Brunel, the former Packer, is the quarterbacks coach. And of course, he played for the Jaguars. Antoine Randall L. is the wide receivers coach. Um, do you remember Aubrey Pleasant? He was a safety for the Badgers, like back in 2006, 2007? I very vaguely. Yeah. And Dom Capers is their senior defensive yeah, we were, assistant. we were making fun of that this morning. Yeah, Aaron Glenn is their uh, new defensive coordinator. So I asked LaFleur yesterday, so, you know, here you, you, you talk about unscouted looks. you got to go uh, against a whole new identity with this Lions team. Matthew Stafford wanted the hell out of Detroit. That's why he's out in with the Rams. He wasn't going to hang around for yet another coaching change. And so they got Jared Goff in that trade. So I asked LaFleur, what kind of team are the Lions now, and, and what do you think about this coaching staff that Dan Campbell has assembled? Yeah, I think Dan's done a heck of a job. I and mean, I think when you look at – I was really impressed by what they were able to accomplish versus, versus San Francisco. I know that the game was 38-10 at one point, but just to show that resiliency to fight back, I thought was is pretty unique. A lot of times that doesn't happen in this league. And, uh, shoot, they had this opportunity right at the end of the game to go tie the game. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about the Detroit Lions, that this is a team that is competitive, is tough, they definitely take on the mentality of their coach. That is so evident. Uh, I know a couple of the coaches there. One, Aubrey Pleasant, I worked with in Washington and in L.A. I think he is uh, a, a dynamic coach. Um, so I know they have quality coaches on that staff. And, I mean, shoot, they, they, uh, they gave San Francisco everything that they could handle. Yeah, Dan Campbell, I think he said in his introductory press conferences is he's going to bite some kneecaps and punch you in the face. And if you bring him yeah. down again, he's going to bite your other kneecap and then punch you in the face and the throat. And Dude, He's a, a wild man. Sound bite, man. He's a walking sound bite. We'll play some of those Monday morning when we do a preview. <laughs> so the next thing about when you look at this uh, loss to the Saints – is okay if they have shut down your passing game. If they're if they've taken away Devontae and Alan Lazard, you know why can't you run the football up the middle? And I was watching Adam Stenovich. He's he's really a good offensive line coach. Uh, he thought that uh, Josh Myers did an okay job there at center in his f- first game in the NFL, and Royce Newman to the right. But I said I I could see you on the sidelines. What are you saying to your players? Are you getting input from them as to what they see? Because you know they were trying to pick the lock and get something going with their running game. And I asked them, well, what do you say to the offensive line when you're down 23 to th- 24 to 3 in the third quarter against the Saints? Yeah, all we're worried about, you know, when you're down big like that, and I always tell the O-line and all the other guys, just worry about getting one touchdown. Don't worry about winning the game on one play or anything like that. Just focus on the drive ahead of you. Worry about taking that ball down and scoring. And then we'll see what happens after that. But you can't. Even in a game, you just can't get too far ahead of yourself. Oh, look at the scoreboard. Uh, you can't let that stuff affect you. And, um, you know, uh, that was the unfortunate thing. We had some momentum, and then it got stopped when we got down in the in the red zone. And uh, we just never recovered from that, it seemed like. So uh, that's one thing we just got to keep working on is just being focused in the moment, one play at a time, one drive at a time, um, and see where that takes us. Mike, it's not AA, it's OLA, O-Line Anonymous, one play at a time for Stenovich, yeah? 
Well, yeah. I I was looking for him to tell me, though, and I said, you know, how do you explain how Cam Jordan got in the backfield? He got real snippy. What, 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 the one sack? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. My bad, because I saw him messing up and pressuring the quarterback all day long. But I, I was, I'm looking for the strategic. Yeah. You know, why aren't these guys getting picked up? So then I go to the right tackle, Billy Turner, um, who's a really good guy, you know, veteran voice now for the team these days, particularly with Bakhtiari out and off to the side working on the rehab. You know, Bakhtiari, by the way, he's running and sprinting and jogging, but it's an ACL, man. You can't, you can't put a guy out there and expect him to stop 330 pounds, you know, and plant the left leg that he, you know, snapped the ACL on. That's still going to take time. So I asked Billy Turner, what's it been like, the mood around here, around, around Matt LaFleur? What is this guy like? After a thirty-eight to three blowout loss to the Saints, well, Matt is uh, Matt's a good dude. Matt, over the past couple of years, you can see like a lot of guys on any given team, they slowly start to. Uh, take on some different things that other people around them bring to them. One of the things that Matt has been big on during fall camp this year and just since we have all been together as a team is trying to embrace positivity, especially in the face of adversity. Now, growing up around football, knowing a lot of football coaches at high levels and being around a lot of athletes that have played at that level, I know what coaches and I know what players can be like in the heat of the moment when it comes to the high stressors of an NFL football game before and right after, and I know how they can be a couple days after that. So with that being said, Everyone is completely different in regards to wins and losses and how they handle adversity. But what I will say is that over these last two and a half, three years, Matt has definitely talked to me and made a point to be more positive in the face of adversity this year. And I think he's doing a good job at it so far. What a great answer from Billy Turner. That kind of gives you a nice little peek in uh, behind the scenes. He's, he's pretty open there, Mike. Well, I guess what it is is that, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur's not like the two statues they got out there in front, Lambo <laughs> and Lombardi. Where that means if you get blown out, you know, thirty-eight to three, expect uh, wind sprints after practice and no water during practice and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you think LaFleur said? You think LaFleur said, "What the hell's going on around here?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Even though you would talk to Jerry Kramer and he would talk about that guy knew when to push buttons. One minute he would embarrass you, and the next minute he would come up to the locker room and he'd pat the back of your head and say, "Someday you're going to be a great offensive lineman." You know, to a young guy that's struggling. Yeah. So Rodgers was asked, um, you know, about this defense that he's going to face. And it's, I think it's Aaron Glenn is their new defensive coordinator. And then you look at some of the guys that they've got on their defense. Um, it's a pretty, well, you know, they made the big pick uh, for uh, first-round pick, a 20-year-old kid, 330 pounds defensive lineman, Penny Sewell. Um, that's a huge addition. And then you talked to him about some of the guys that they've got there in the secondary that he faced toward the end of last season. A couple long last names. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do uh, have some familiarity with, uh, with some of those guys played against them last year. You know, I think the scheme is one that, that can help them. They, they do play uh, similar coverages to the Saints uh, with uh, Glenn having been been over there, Coach Glenn. But I think they're, you know, they're improving guys. You know, I thought they did a nice job last year of getting better, being kind of thrust into the situation. And last year they just played a bunch of man to kind of see what they had. 
Now, uh, the Lions, Mike, Monday Night Football, Rodgers' uh, record have a bounce-back game after a disappointing loss. Uh, you know, what's, what's it like with Rodgers saying next? Well, <clears throat> since Matt LaFleur's been here, they've lost six games previous to last weekend. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that, and every time the next week, Aaron Rodgers lights it up. He throws like four touchdowns. That's what the record shows. So uh, Bill Huber, who wrote that story, said, you know, uh, how do you explain it? How do you go from, you know, throwing two picks and, and no touchdowns to just lighting up whoever steps on the field against you? Um, and, and, you know, after disappointing like a loss like you had uh, against the Saints last week. I'd say percentage has been pretty damn good for a while. So you have a, you know, game like that, <laughs> you usually bounce back to average things out. Hey, the FCC, thanks for bleeping that. That was nice, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so much for the positivity after adversity. Yeah. Percentages. Uh, you know, percentages, Mike. You, you, you can see it's still boiling under a little bit there. And that's the same thing that Devontae Adams, kind of the thing that he said about what this week has been like is, um, you know, you have to block this stuff out. I, I will tell you a story. A young Devontae Adams uh, with so much uh, potential and talent had dropped two, maybe three balls in a game. Two were critical turning points in a game that the Packers lost. And so the senior guy at that time, the vocal guy, uh, Jordy Nelson, is two lockers away. So we're all gathered with our microphones and cameras and lights and stuff and asking Devontae what, and he was willingly serving himself up. Yeah, well, on the first one, you know, the guy cut in front of me and I did this, and he's breaking these down. And Jordy's putting on his shirt and listening to this, and finally Jordy just leans over. He, he walks right in front of the microphones, right in front of the cameras, and looks down into Devontae's eyes and says, Hey, man, you're not doing this stuff here. Don't bring that stuff in here, into this locker room. It's Wednesday. Move on. Huh. Stop it. Yeah. Like, and then Devontae's jaw dropped and his eyes got wide like, Okay, I guess I'm not going to talk about the second one, you know. <laughs> and I've I've talked to Devonte about that moment in years past, and, you know. And it's like that was George's thing, you know. It's like you know we'll we'll deal with it. We'll fess up to it after the game on Monday. It's week two. You move on. And so Devonte has sort of carried that torch now to these younger players. You never want to get too high or too low in this league. It's too it's too easy to get distracted with. You've got some success. Now they're talking really good, so then you can slip up because now you're riding high and you think that you're invincible. I think I, I like what Giannis said, like what he said about the humility. Like that's that's just like spot on right there. The more you're in the moment and just worried about, um, you know, what's going on in your locker room, that, that's where it becomes a lot easier. Early in my career, I made a mistake by kind of monitoring what people were saying outside the building about myself, my teammates. Um, just the team as a whole, my coaches, stuff like that, just to just to kind of know and hear. I didn't want to be just out here, you know, in no man's land, not knowing or aware of what's going on. But that's it's just really dangerous to do that, man. Obviously, we got a lot of experience as a team now, so um, I think all of the leaders and people that have been through it before are pretty good about telling people, like, look, I don't know what you're doing when you go home, but I wouldn't advise that, you know, checking notifications right after a game. So, you know, you go out there and drop a ball, get on social media to see because they are talking shit about you. Okay, that's what I tell them. It ain't. Don't look to see if like, oh, maybe they they are. Somebody is. So just just bet on that and then uh, do something about it. And that's that's all you can do. Mike, he ain't wrong. Everyone's talking smack on social media. I turned all my notifications off, but the only notification I keep on is when Mike Clemens has a tweet at Mike Clemens NFL because you're the creme de la creme, Mike. You know that.
Thank you, my brother. Thank you. So, you know, we'll, pre- we'll preview from Green Bay Monday morning. We'll talk about, well, you know, any inc- incidents that happen because they'll, they'll have full practices through tomorrow. They'll rest up on Sunday, Sunday night. They'll go to the team hotel, and then Monday night football then it's here on. from Lambeau Field. It's on like Donkey Kong, and my man Mike Clemens is going to be there all over it, like white on rice. Right, Mike? Thanks, Ebo. See you, buddy. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later, Mike. See you, buddy. There he is, Mike Clemens. Good stuff.